Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting on the constant, for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you had promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Let's pray one more time. God, be with us. Speak to us whether we're sitting in this room or sitting at home or driving in a car and watching on YouTube. God, be with us in these moments that we encounter you. Because we encounter you, we leave differently for the world to see you better, for us to know your love more. In your name we pray, amen. I don't know about you, but I get super excited about stuff. It can be coffee, it can be New Year's, it can be a trip, it can be just having to send an email to some of my leaders about fun things coming up. I like to get excited, but if I'm honest with you, sometimes, maybe most of the time, I'll get so excited about what's to come that I'll skip some critical things that I need to actually step into whatever that thing is to come well. Does that make sense? You tracking with me? Yeah, I'll just, I'll skip over stuff that I don't mean to skip over, but I'm just so excited about what's to come that I'll skip over it. Now, this happens all the time, but it happened last year in a big way. Pastor Jacob, Mark, myself, a few other guys in the church, Brian, who's in the room now, we ran this Spartan race, which it was just an incredible race. It's like seven miles, seven and a half miles, somewhere around there, and, and it has like 18, 20 obstacles in it, and I was pumped. Man, I was ready for this race. I was so excited. And I don't know about you, about if you know this about me, I'm not really known as the strong guy. Like, nobody calls me when they're moving going, I need a good set of muscles to help me, like, move. Nobody, I don't get that phone call, right? And so maybe the skinny jeans give it away, maybe the size of my arms, I don't know. But I, that's just not who I'm known for. So leading up to this race, 18 to 20 obstacles, man, I was hitting the gym. I was hitting it in the morning with my buddy Kyle. I was hitting it in the afternoon by myself for two straight months leading up to it, just busting my can in the gym, getting ready. And so we got there, day of, I'm pumped, I'm ready, a lot of Starbucks. I jump over the five-foot wall. Can you imagine me more coffee? I jump over the five-foot wall to enter into the gate, which is like they, they pull you in. Jacob jumps in first. He's pushing people out of the way to get to the front of the line in the name of Jesus. And, and so, like, we get to the front of the line. We get there. And it hits me. I'm about to run a seven, eight-mile race. I've been training, but a part of my training consisted of zero running. Um, <laughs> just completely forgot about it. Every day I was in the gym, walked right past the treadmill, just kept walking. Didn't even think about it. So adrenaline kicked in. We, the, the gun went off. We headed out, and we just had a blast. Obstacle after this, obstacle after that, running through the river. It, it was incredible, right? But about five miles in, it hit me right? That wall hit me. That not doing cardio hit me. And, and it was in this thing where you had to pick up this bucket, and it had all these rocks in it, and, and you had to just pick it up and carry it down this hill, I would say a very steep hill, um, for about 150 yards, and then back up. Sounds pretty simple, right? Well, you weren't there. And so... <laughs> So I'm making my way down the hill, making my way back up the hill, and and I'm done, right? I'm sitting there on the hill, holding my bucket of rocks, looking up at the sky going, 
Why did I get these guys to run this race? This was my idea. It's not like they asked me. I put this together. I started wondering where the cart is, like who's going to pick me up, like because there's no way I'm finishing these next two miles. Now, I don't know, and I don't think many of you were on that hill with me that day. If you were, I'm a little upset you didn't help me up the hill. But, but I do think you've been in that place with me, that broken part of our human condition, that place that we will see something in front of us, maybe a good thing, maybe a great thing, but we're so eager to jump into it that we forget the critical thing we need to actually enter into it well. It's just part of the human condition, if we're honest. And so I've been thinking about that as, as we're in this weird week, this week where it was four days ago, we were in here gathered together as a community and online, worshiping Jesus as Christmas Eve, and, and now we are headed into New Year's. And so New Year's resolutions are on our mind. We're thinking about what are the things in the new year. And so as we evaluate the, the past year, the past decade, as we enter the new roaring 20s, right, like we begin to evaluate where we are, and here are the things that I hear in my own life, and here's what I hear people saying as I just live with people. I didn't think I'd be at this spot. I thought I'd be further along by now. I thought my career would be better. I thought my savings account, I thought we were going to money, I thought our money management was going to be better so we could be a better blessing. I thought it was going to be closer to God. I thought my marriage would be deeper. I thought relationships would be richer. I thought I wouldn't struggle with that sin anymore. I thought when I opened the Bible, the words would pop off the page by now. I didn't think in my 50s and my 60s and my 70s I would still be here. And so what we can do if we're not careful is we can find ourselves on this week where four days ago we entered this room or online together and we took these candles and we lit them. And on the last song of our last time we gathered together, we lit these candles in a way of saying, Jesus has showed up. Jesus arrived. Jesus is here. And I don't know if you realized it, but in the third verse, I think it was the third verse, the last verse, we lifted them. We raised them as a community, as a way of saying, Jesus, you're the light that's going to guide my way. You're the light that I'm going to put into my darkness. You're the light that I'm going to surrender my life to. You're the one in front. I'm surrendered to you. You lead the way. This is where we're headed. But if we aren't careful... And if we jump the gun too soon, we can go from, and myself included, I'm preaching this because God has convicted me of this and, and been working in this in my own spirit. We can go from lifting this up, Jesus up to be the sinner on Christmas Eve, and then shifting to New Year's resolutions where if they are lived out and performed, I get more glory, I get more praise, I get more honor, and people can look at me and go, man, he pulled himself up from the bootstraps. He did it. They did it. Man, I get all the glory. We beat our chest, and it's all about us just one week prior to lifting up a candle and saying it's all about him. This is just the human condition. I don't think we do this intently. I don't think we do this with malice. I don't think we, I just think we, it just happens. And I think this is why Simeon for us is so important. Because we have a race to run this year. We have a call on our life this year. And the call is individually for all of us. But the center thing that keeps it all together is for all of us, it's living out a way that Jesus is continually at the center. We continually carry the light of Christmas Eve with us. And if we aren't careful, we can just put a candle in our pocket and walk around. 
I don't know, maybe it's just me. But I think that's why Simeon teaches us in these few verses that we have with him why it's so important to not only carry Jesus out in front, but how to carry Jesus out in front. We don't know a lot about Simeon. The scripture doesn't give us a ton about him. What we do know is he is a man in the temple. He's a devout, righteous man. He is a man that is after God's own heart, we could say. And he is looking for the Messiah. The Holy Spirit's revealed it to him, and he's gathered together. But what I realized this week or the past few weeks as I've been studying this is he wasn't alone. He wasn't alone. It says this in in, in our scripture. It says, he, Simeon, was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. It's the Holy Spirit that's with Simeon. It's the Holy Spirit that that Jesus, that he is carrying with him to see Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that's been all over it, but it hit me. It's not just Simeon that the Holy Spirit is with and guiding in this Advent story that we have looked at as we have waited for Jesus and now his arrival has come. But the Holy Spirit has been the thing that's been in this whole story from the beginning. Let's look at it. Luke chapter 1, verse 15. It's talking about John the Baptist, the one who would be born, the cousin of Jesus, the one that would go set the example, that would point people to Jesus to pronounce his coming. It says this about him. He, John, is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. So John has the Holy Spirit even before he's born. Then we look at Mary as she's having her conversation with the angel about how do we, how am I going to do this? It says this in Luke 34 through 35. How will this be, Mary? Asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So Mary now has the Holy Spirit on her, covering her, overshadowing her, overshadowing her. But Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, who was John's mother, they were six months apart. Elizabeth was six months into her pregnancy. Mary had just become pregnant, and they gathered together. And when they gathered together, something happened. Check this out. It says this, when Mary heard Elizabeth's greeting, knock, knock, what up? The baby, John, leaped in her womb. He's got the Holy Spirit. But it says, and Elizabeth Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So now we've got John. Now we've got Mary. We've got Elizabeth. But don't forget John, John's dad, Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, when he got the news about that he was going to have a child in his old age and a child that would lead the way and point people to the Messiah, his interaction with the angel caused him to become mute. He couldn't talk for nine and a half months, ten months. But it says this, after John was born, he was able to speak. And we see this in Luke chapter 1, verse 67. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Here's here's my takeaway. We don't get the birth of Jesus without the Holy Spirit. We don't get the birth of Jesus without the Holy Spirit. He's all in this story. And what we're seeing in this is a glimpse of what's to come. The glimpse is how the Holy Spirit lives within us, works with us. It's a glimpse of what's to come after the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior, King Jesus, who they're pointing to now. So before Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, here's how the Holy Spirit worked. Part of the Trinity, part of God, he is God. He would come down in moments in the Old Testament, he would speak to people, he would be people, and then he would leave. He would come down for a season, he would leave. But think that what he would not do is he would not reside within us. He would just be with us, and then he would leave. 
because we needed the death, burial, and resurrection for him to come. Uh, Jesus tells his disciples in John chapter 16, he says, hey, I've got to go away so that I can send the advocate, the one who's going to be for you what I cannot be for you, for all of you together at one time. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And so in this passage with Simeon and in this passage of the Advent story, what we're seeing with the Holy Spirit is actually what we now living on the other side of the cross and the grave and and Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. Now we have access to the Holy Spirit. So for all of us, if we say, hey, I believe who Jesus said he was. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he lived a perfect life, that he died an an unjust death for me for my sin and for the world and overcame death, was buried in a grave for three days, rose again on the third day, now sits at the right hand of the Father. If we say, hey, I believe that and surrender to that, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so for us, what we're going to learn from Simeon today is how this actually plays out. How do we actually do it? Because the role the Holy Spirit played in this Advent story and in Simeon has the same role it plays in my life and in your life. And it's that's the point is to Jesus. That's to keep us our eyes on Jesus. It's to guide us and to move us to more be like Jesus. Now, he does some convicting. He does some, he does some work with us. He does some correcting, but it's out of love. It's out of, it's out of a deep love well for us, but he's always pointing us to Jesus. And so if you want to look at a New Year's resolution this year, I'm all for New Year's resolutions. But can it be centered on this, that our desire for next year is that Jesus will be at the center Our desire for next year is that Jesus would be at the center. We want to continue to carry the light from Christmas Eve into next year, into this new decade, into our job. We want Jesus to get the glory. We want Jesus to lead the way. The reality is we're just Jesus people. If you're you're visiting with us today and you're like, what's this church about? We're about Jesus. That's who we're about, his love and his grace and his mercy. We believe in who he said he was. We're Jesus people. And so we have to take Jesus with us. We have to carry Jesus with us. That's our our call for the next year, for the next decade, our call for life. And so if we're going to do that, Simeon teaches us how to do that so we don't fall into this human condition of overlooking the crucial thing. So to keep Jesus at the center, Simeon shows us that we need to stand in the truth that we carry the Holy Spirit with us. We need to not just know it, church. We need to stand in it. We need to anchor ourselves into it. We need to anchor ourselves so deep in it that when the waves of life come, we're immovable. Like, we may sway, we may move, but we're not actually going to take a step because we're anchored so deep in the fact that the Holy Spirit is with us. And when we understand this, when we understand that we carry the Holy Spirit with us wherever we go, we enter with authority. We enter with authority into our marriage, into our relationships, into our jobs, into our friendships, students, you enter with authority into school. You enter against that addiction with, with, with authority now because you don't enter it alone. You enter it with the Holy Spirit with you. And I'm just going to be honest with you. If the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, raised Jesus from the dead, overcoming death and hell itself, and now he holds the keys to hell, and he says, nothing can stop me. If that's the Spirit that walks within you, you're going to face some obstacles this year, but you're not going to face anything that has the power to overcome you. And so, so, so this is our call. This is our stance that we have to stand and anchor ourselves into the truth that we carry the Holy Spirit with us. This is incredible. He goes on in Luke 2, 26, he says this. It had been revealed to him, Simeon still, by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So to keep Jesus at the center, to 
to, to stand and anchor ourselves in the truth that we carry the Holy Spirit, the next thing we have to take a step in is positioning our hearts to hear the Holy Spirit speak. This next truth is that fact that the Holy Spirit desires to speak to you because he loves you. He is deeply, deeply, deeply in love with you. And he wants to speak to you. He wants to speak God's promises over you. He wants to speak God's truths over you. He wants to guide you in the way that leads to life. He wants to point you to Jesus. We have to position our hearts. Here's what I've just learned after doing life. I'm only 30, so take that for whatever you want. But, but I've learned, even in this short amount of years, there are some things that we can do that position our hearts to hear him more clearly. There are some disciplines, and we, can go through, we don't have time to go through them all because he speaks in, in so many different ways, but there are some key ones, and I just want to point out one. That time and time again for the last 2,000 years, and I would argue for the whole time of humanity, the number one way that God has spoke to us through his spirit is by revealing God's promises, God's character, God's truth, God's love through his scriptures to us. That's, that's, that's the clearest way for us to see who Jesus is, to keep him lifted high, to hear his promises, is to open up his word. And I, I came across this study a few weeks ago. It just blew my mind. I texted Jacob about it. He's mad that I'm talking about it. He was going to preach about it later, but he can do it again. Um, this study is just, I mean, I texted 20 guys yesterday, and we just began to talk about it because it's really blowing my mind. But, but this study, this institute surveyed 40,000 people, 40,000 people on what happens when you get into the Word of God um, throughout your week. So it says if you, if you open the Scriptures once a week, once a week, you open scriptures, which could be what we're doing right now. They would classify that as opening scriptures once a week. It has negligible effect on your life in some key areas. Two times a week, you open the scripture, negligible effect on parts of your life, on key areas of your life. Three times a week, there's a heartbeat. There's a thing that begins to happen. Now, at four times a week, the research shows that it just jumps off the scale, which doesn't make sense if I'm honest, church, because it should go day one, day two, I'm getting a little better, day three, day four, day five. That should be the natural trajectory. That should be what has. But what it is is day one, day two, a heartbeat on day three, but then day four skyrockets. And I'm not sharing this with you out of a, to put you in a position of shame or to put you in a position of like, I'm not reading my Bible, I'm not doing enough. I'm putting you in it to call something out of you because I think there's something great within you. I think there's more within you than you even realize. And so this is what it says. If we're in our Bible reading it four times a week or more, loneliness drops 30%. Anger drops 32%. Bitterness in relationships, marriage, parenting, Co-workers drops 40%. Alcoholism drops 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant, just feeling, uh, feel like I'm not really hearing God, I'm not really moving with God, I'm not, just not doing anything, that drops 60%. Viewing pornography drops 61%. Getting in the word of God to hear the truths of God, to be spoken over you, the Holy Spirit working within you to reveal what these scriptures are. That's why we call it a living word. It was written years ago, but it still lives within us today because the Holy Spirit makes it alive. And when we begin to open the scripture through the Holy Spirit, showing us the truths of God, the character of God, the promises of God, then our life actually begins to change. All these things begin to drop, but a good thing that happens out of it, those are all great things, but those are all like things being taken away. But sharing your faith jumps 200%. Why? Because you're standing in authority. 
You're knowing what you carry. You're knowing who God is. It's a great New Year's resolution. There's the one-year Bible app. There's the Bible app. There's one-year Bibles you can buy at Lifeway and Target and where books are sold. I didn't get paid for that. But it goes on. Luke 2, 27. Moved by the Spirit. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Simeon not only is standing in the truth that he's carrying the Holy Spirit with him as he looks for Jesus, he's not only listening for the Holy Spirit as he looks for Jesus, but now he's responding in faith. He's responding in obedience to what the Holy Spirit has spoken. We have to be ready to move when the Holy Spirit guides us. Brennan Manning calls it this ruthless trust, this ruthless trust of just obeying Jesus, following after where he leads. And I don't know, so many of us, we feel like if Jesus speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, he's going to call us to Africa or Malaysia or China or the Ukraine or somewhere crazy like that. And I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of people in the room. Somebody might have that call on their life. But the reality is this. The more and more that I walk with the Spirit, get it wrong, and I get it right, and it goes in and out, and I do life closely with people that I love deeply, that are being moved by the Spirit, that are hearing the Spirit, here's what I find. The actual truth of it is, is that the crazy thing that Jesus is calling us to, the Holy Spirit's calling us to, is to just take the light that he has given us and just go with where we're already going. To go into the places we're already going. How do I carry the light of Christ into my chemistry class? How do I carry the light of Christ onto the football field? How do I carry the light of Christ into my job, into my marriage, into my parenting, into my cubicle land at work? How do I carry Jesus with us? That's usually, if I'm honest, the crazy thing that he's calling us to. And he's looking for people. He's looking for sons. He's looking for daughters to to hear him and to be obedient in that call. So if our desire is to do that, is to carry Jesus, we have to stand in these truths. These truths allow us to do that very thing of keeping Jesus at the center, standing in the truth that we are with him, that he is with us, positioning our hearts to hear him. And believing and being ready to move when he speaks. And I believe if we'll do that, church, if we begin to do that, we'll see what Simeon saw. It said this in 2, 30, 32. It said, for my eyes, this is Simeon speaking, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. He saw that the gift of the baby wasn't just for a moment, but it was for eternity. It wasn't just for a people group, it was for all people. It wasn't just for the religious folks, it was for the broken folks. It got out. And by the Holy Spirit, Simeon had a call on his life to do in that season. And he didn't try to muster up the courage. He didn't try to grit his teeth. He didn't try to do cardio and push-ups. He, 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 he took the Holy Spirit with him. And only by that does he do and see what he saw. Only by that does he recognize, oh, the baby, that's the Messiah. It's not a king on a horse. It's a baby. Only by that does he lift him up and give praise to God. Only by that does this story get out for us to hear today and to learn from. The reality is this, I firmly believe with everything I have that you have a call on your life this year. You have a call on your life. God is calling you something. The message stays the same, but the method for each one of us is gonna look a little different. The message for all of us is going to be to keep Jesus at the center, to carry the light of Christmas Eve with us in all things, in all places. 
But here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to grit your teeth and feel like you got to do it on your own. Because can I just tell you something? February's coming. May's coming. August is coming. October's coming. December's coming. Something's going to happen this year that you're going to hit your wall where your own strength and your own fortitude and your own will and your own good intentions aren't going to be able to carry the light any further. And so I don't want you to look at that part of the year and go, man, I jumped over it. I fell into the brokenness of the human condition and I left the Holy Spirit behind me when he was the one that wanted to be with you and guide you the whole way and get you to places you never thought you could get on your own. To give Jesus more glory, not to give yourself more glory. And so you have a race to run. And I don't want you to be like me at that Spartan race at mile five with nothing left in me, sitting on this ground, watching people pass by, carrying their buckets, fulfilling their race, doing their call, holding on, looking at the sky, going, who's going to come pick me up because I'm done? But I want you to do kind of like I did, if I'm honest, leave the bucket. Some poor volunteer had to come get it. Like, I just left the bucket I stood up and I made my way to the top of the hill. And guess what I found at the top of the hill? I found Brian. I found Jacob. I found Mark. I found Chris. I found Randy. I found my guys. I found my community. They had finished that thing in front of them, but they had not left me in it by myself. And so for the next few obstacles, they just carried me along. They just, they just, they did what they had to. They carried me through the obstacles. And some I was able to do, some I wasn't. But they didn't leave me. They just kept carrying me. That's what community does. It just keeps carrying you, keeps lifting you up. But eventually, with about a mile left, we came to an obstacle. And it was just where this backhoe had come in. And it had just completely, like, made this whole, like, gutter, this, like, this massive hole. And it, they just filled it with freezing cold water and, and these mounds of dirt in the middle. And then there were these walls. And so you had to climb up the mound of dirt, go into the freezing cold mud, go under the wall, completely submerge yourself, do it three times. And at this point, I'm dead, but I was like, at least I can do is like swim. And so like, I go under, come up, and I don't know what happened to me. Brian can tell you, Jake can tell me, I came out of that water the third time, I was a new man. You would have thought that I ran marathons for a living. You would have thought that that was the beginning of the race. You would have thought something came over me, because I finished the race better than I even started the race. And I did so because I needed something outside of me to help me through it. I needed my community, and I needed that water to get in me and to, and to refresh me and so that I could lead the way. And here's what I'm saying. I think you're called to something. I think you're called to something great. I think you're called to, in your own way, to lift up the light of Christ and to carry it. But I'm just, I love you too much to think that you can do it on your own and to tell you you can do it on your own because I love you enough to tell you that the Holy Spirit's the one that wants to be with you, that he wants to guide you, that he wants to speak to you. And if you'll obey him, you'll finish the race well. You'll finish what you're called to well. You won't just come in on a crate. You won't give up early. You'll finish well. And so Jacob said this last week, as, or last Monday and Tuesday night for our Christmas Eve services. He says, will you, or sorry, he said, embrace Jesus and live. That was the story of Christmas Eve. Embrace Jesus and live. So will you join Simeon? Will you join me? Will you join this community of faith? Will you embrace Jesus and embrace the second gift as well. Embrace the Holy Spirit. Live with the same spirit that God gave you, that God gave Jesus to overcome death, hell, and the grave, and the call that he has on your life. You can get through it. You can finish well. You can finish strong. You can look back next year and go, I never thought I'd be here. 
but it's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we get to do what we do every week. If you're joining us today for the first time, we get to take communion every single week, and it's an honor. And Jesus told his disciples, do this as often as you gather. And it's this moment for us, this, this, this holy moment where we take bread and juice and, and, and the giving of them to you in the breaking of the bread and dipping them in the juice. We're just saying, Jesus, I need your broken body. I need the work that you did on the cross. I need your blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin, for the reconciliation of me and this world to be called back into right standing with you, not out of my will, but out of who you are in me. So clothe me, clothe me in your righteousness. So let's pray. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are the light that has come into the world to overcome the darkness, to be with us, to call us, to, to, to cover us in your righteousness. But thank you that when you went back to sit at the right hand of the Father, you didn't leave us alone. Not only did you put a call on our life, you gave us a person to be with us. You gave us the Holy Spirit, who is the same Spirit that walked with you. And so, so we, we, we love you, Holy Spirit. Be with us, reveal yourself to us, speak to us, and give us the faith and strength we need to obey you. And so Holy Spirit, now just be poured out over this bread and this juice and let them come for us, the body and blood of Christ, broken and shed for our souls and our redemption, our salvation. We love you so much. May we carry the light by your presence in all things. In your name we pray, amen.